Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a brand new episode of Full Seam Ahead. I am your host, Zoe, with my guest co-host here, Mr. Cantu. Good to be back, you know, after day one. All the nerves are out. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, the show goes great on the road. Yeah, it should be good. Uh, a lot of talk about around the league, around Major League Baseball, and of course our Astros ourselves. So we have some Astros roundup for you with GM talkings and everything like that. We also got the roster set for spring training this coming March. So it should be interesting what we'll see there. Also, we got some veterans on the move around the league. Shohei Otani talk, as well as National Baseball Hall of Fame. That should be an interesting one. It's going to be on Tuesday this week. And we will see if our own Billy Wagner could get in. But we'll talk about that a little bit more when we get around the league. But first, let's start with Astros Roundup. And let's get to the main thing that's been going on this past week. Perkin Rosenthal Astros are interviewing candidates for the general manager position. It has been a while since the Astros have been talking about the GM. Uh, Jim Crane had said, okay, well, we're going to be looking at a GM around January. Well, it's January. It's already, you know, talks are starting to come into place. And there have been three candidates so far for the GM position. We have Michael Hill, former Miami Marlins president of baseball operations. He was with the Miami Marlins since 2002, serving as a vice president, assistant general manager, and a general manager himself. He was promoted to base, uh, president of baseball operations of the Miami Marlins in 2013. Put an improbable 2020 Marlins team that had no business being a division winner and being in that postseason of that COVID year, but he made it possible and had the team get into the playoffs and had built a deep farm system. But not with Miami no more. Obviously, Derek Jeter cut his ties with him, and Derek Jeter's not even the guy over there in Miami. And now he's a senior vice president of on-field operations for MLB. Another candidate we got is Dana Brown, Atlanta Braves VP of Scouting. Has been next to Alex uh, Anthopoulos since the Expos, the Nats, the Blue Jays, now the Braves. Then Them two guys have been together for a while since, I mean, way back then when the Expos existed. Um, joined the Braves in 2019 with Alex as the VP of scouting, and he's brought on a lot of talent. He's helped draft players like Steven Strasburg, Noah Senegard, Marcus Stroman, Shay Legallers, uh, Von Grissom, Michael Harris II, and Spencer Strider. So this guy has an eye for talent. He has an eye for these young prospects, and it shows what he has, um, what he has done. And then lastly, real quick, with Bobby Evans, a former San Francisco Giants general manager, uh, we know the assistant from, you know, the Astros organization had gone over there to be the full-time GM for the uh, for the Giants now. But he was the Giants GM in 2015. He helped the Giants reach the playoffs in 2016 after reeling in Jeff Samarja, Johnny Cueto, Denard Spann, Will Smith, Eduardo Nunez, and Matt Moore. Them guys sound very old when you start saying their names because they're not even in the league no more. Bobby Evans resigned in 2018 as the GM role and ever since has been trying to get back to being into the general manager of an organization. But Angel, let's just talk about it. Let's get to the point right now. I mean, what candidate do you think that's going to have a best shot of being the Astros next GM? Well, first off, all these candidates have absolutely amazing, amazing resumes coming into them. But honestly, I think Dan Brown out of all three has the best chance, just how you were saying and if we look at the Braves now, like how they were able to get contracts to all these young guys during the alteration years to avoid that big free agency splash. And honestly, I think the Braves are set up for success, just like the Astros are for years to come with all their 
other guys that they have developed in the minors and all the new signings, like Matt Olson just makes the team better. Like, even though you're right on the first candidate, I believe his name is Michael, Michael Hill. Like, you know, that my arm, that Miami Marlins was surprised. So I'm sure they're doing good things out there too, but I don't know. Danner Brown sounds like a great contender for, and a great general manager for us. Yeah. I'm sorry. I don't, I want to give credit to Jeff Bagwell because he's doing a <laughs> great job as the interim, I guess you can say, general manager, bringing in Jose Abreu and that signing as well. Yeah, I mean, Jeff Bagwell, Reggie Jackson, all these other guys have been like kind of Jim Crane's, um, you know, plus man, trying to figure out these, you know, free agent signings, what guys to go after and things like that. But I think I agree with you. Dana Brown is the most sense out of these two candidates. Michael Hill, like we were talking about, had that 2020 team, but but the thing with me, he had Christian Yelich. He had a prime JT Romuto, Giancarlo Stan, Marcel Zuna. I mean, he had all these talented players, but they yet got to the postseason with them guys. And I think that was a big, you know, hiccup for him. Bobby Evans, on the other hand, you know, them three years of success from the Giants organization in 2010, 2012, 2014 World Series champions. And then after that, I mean, it just went all downhill. They couldn't get a a winning season over 500 since I believe it was what 2021 when the Dodgers and them had faced in the wild card. So I think Dana Brown, I mean, he has, like I was saying, he has a good nose for talent and everything like that. Drafted these guys. You were saying with the arbitration signings, um, you know, getting the contract going, getting Michael Harris to go full contract, Spencer Strider. Um, as soon as they got Sean Murphy, they made him, a, a big deal same thing as Matt Olson Matt Olson got traded they gave him that contract extension so and then even Alex himself uh the GM for the Braves had said that uh, not Bobby Dana Brown's a good candidate for a GM and he should be a GM and I think so too the only thing concerning for me is of course he has the nose and you know the eyes for talent and everything like that and you know, he could see all these young prospects, but on the other side of a GM, you got to be able to make key acquisitions, key trades, um, things like that. Like, you know, Jeff Luno getting Jordan Alvarez from the Dodgers for uh, Justin, not Justin, Josh Fields, um, that right-handed pitcher that, you know, that's going to live in Astros history forever. But being able to do some, you know, tricky trades like that, same thing as um, the Diamondbacks trade, J.B. Bukowskis, Corbin Martin, uh, Seth Beer and Julio Rojas. I mean, I, at the bat, you thought Seth Beer was going to be the greatest player in there. And same thing with all the other guys. They were all top five um, in the Astros farm system. Jay Bukowskis just got DFA'd and got picked up by the Mariners. Corbin Martin hasn't been himself because of his control and injuries as well. Seth Beer is barely getting on the rise, but hasn't been promising. And the only one that's been helping him is Julio Rojas, and he's been a utility guy going from the infield and outfield and nobody had what thought he would have been the guy to be you know building around but I think Dana Brown's going to be a good candidate I think he could be uh even Bob Nightingale has said Dana Brown right now is the leading candidate for the Astros GM so we'll just have to see what you know happens there maybe they'll start looking at other candidates but if they're just looking from them top three I think Dana Brown's the best guy um going forward also with the with the expired expiring contracts of Valdez and Tucker coming in, they're about to hit free agency. They could, we can get assigned a deal with them and, you know, be able to have those talks with a now general acting general manager that's done it before. I did not be great for the Astros as well. Yeah, definitely. And then plus, you know, with the young talent in the farm system that they already have, Michael Harris wasn't even supposed to be in the major leagues and he was in double A. 
And he just made a significant jump. And next thing you know, he's rookie of the year. That's a starting center fielder. Gold Glove. Yeah, and starting center fielder for the Braves. Grissom, shortstop as well. Same thing, yeah. I mean, they thought Dansby would try to come back, you know, and they were hoping, but it didn't happen. They got another, you know, promising young star in Vaughn Grissom. Spencer Strider, I mean, 200 strike. I think that's the franchise record for the Braves as a rookie, right? And, you know, he, he just knows and seeks the right people. And, you know, in the farm system that we have right now and Drew Gilbert, Jacob Melton, uh, JP France, all these guys that are young, that could be a possibility to make a huge jump into the majors. You never know. And, you know, Dana Brown right now, like we we're saying, I think he'll be the right guy if the Astros continue to go forward. And I know this is off topic, but Spencer Strider changed his number to 99 yes. because of wild thing. Yes. Yes. If you have not here, he is changing his number to number 99 for major league, um, Charlie Sheen's character. So I thought, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, sure. he, the, I mean, he already got the mustache. He doesn't got the hair like, um, Charlie Sheen in that movie, but he got the stash. I think that stash is sexy, mm-hmm. but moving on to Astro spring training, the roster is set. The only person that will not be attending as I have seen is the Astros number four prospect, Pedro Leon, uh, won't be in attendance due to the undergoing sports hernia surgery. He will approximately be, be out six to eight weeks. You never know what could happen at that time too. Of course he has to rehab, make sure he's able to continue the possibility. We don't see him until, um, Sugarland. But other than that, I think the boys are ready. At, even at FanFest, um, you know, all the, the the sports catchers and everything like that were asking each player and everybody was on set like okay you know we already won the world series flip the page it's not even we're not even thinking about 22 no more we're th- we're focused on 23 and going back to back that For hasn't sure. gone since the yankees into in you know in the late 2000s not early 2000s late 90s so i mean i think that's the my the main main focus that these guys have to go with the attitude in bringing in jose Abreu was going to be a great one but um, yeah, I'm very, very excited for spring training. For sure, you know, again, it's it's a short time away. I think less than a month now. But I think Pedro Lom being out, you know, I think it hurts him a little bit because he is competing for that center field spot. And I know Chaz was recently ranked uh top ten in center field, but I think that competition, you know, helps both guys get better. So, you know, and then him being the future, or well, him being the top prospect, and hopefully being part of the future, you know. Like it would it would have been great to have him out there, you know, for spring training, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I think he's just gonna transition, keep on getting better. Of course, he was placed at uh, second base too in the infield yeah. during his time with Sugarland and in Corpus. So you never know; he could build into a utility player at the end. But like you were saying, Chas McCormick being number ten on MLB uh, networks. I don't know if anybody has saw that, but he was ranked number ten as the center fielder in Major League Baseball. But speaking of Astros. Going into the 2023, the Hall of Fame class has been announced. If you had seen our tweets, we had mentioned that the Hall of Fame class of 2023 was going to be announced at FanFest. Well, they announced it at FanFest, and there are two guys going into this prestigious class in Astros history. Former second baseman Bill Duran, um, you know, from the 80s, then 81 to 88, I believe he was the second baseman for the Houston Astros. And former Astros broadcaster Bill Brown. I mean, Bill Brown's been with the team for a great while. Well deserved. Yes, very well deserved. Um, for both these guys, really. Bill Duran's a great second baseman. I think of him, Dickie Thawne, um, Craig Biggio, and now you got Jose Altuve. We built great second basements there. And of course, with you know, broadcasters, the biggest of them all in Houston with uh Astros, you know, being Milo Hamilton and then Bill Brown following him after that. It's just been very great for this organization to have two iconic voices 
in the game of baseball to call, you know, the Astros. Even with uh, with Todd Callis on the like on the call now, like I yeah. feel like us as Astros have been blessed with such great uh, cast like casters, broadcasters. yeah, broadcasters during the game. And shout out to people at FanFest. It was crazy packed. Oh my gosh, dude! Like those lines. I saw a tweet um, that. The average Astros attendance was about 33,000, and people at FanFest, I think, was about 34,000. 34,000, dude. That's crazy. It was but very crazy. That's, that shows how hardcore these are. we are for our Astros, and for those of you who were able to see those inductions, you know, I'm sure it was a great ceremony. Yeah, I mean, it was great. I was out there. It was hectic, like you were saying. It was crowded. Every line that you go to from the autograph session, from taking pictures with the players, with the trophy, um, the promotional garage sale that they had as well. I mean, it was just hectic out there. But like you're saying, Astro, excuse me, Astro fans are going to be out there regardless if it's rain or shine, because it was raining that day yeah, too. And I, every, I mean, there was long lines trying to get in before, you know, it was going to the public around 11 a.m. But um, yeah, successful 2023 Fan Fest. And, you know, hopefully for 2024, bring another world series home and you know maybe take pictures with three trophies yeah. at the end but that is all for astros roundup let's go on to around the league i don't know if everybody has heard out there but there is a japanese sensation phen- uh, phenom that knows how to pitch and that knows how to hits and that man's name and you already know he's in the aos shohei otani the los angeles angels pitcher slash dh he used to be an outfielder but dh is his role now but there have been reports and everything, you know, per Alden Gonzalez, his ESPN writer, he had said MLB executives and agents believe Shohei Otani may be baseball's first $500 man when he enters free agency. I believe it. I mean, you got to believe it. I mean, this guy knows how to pitch. This guy knows how to hit. You haven't seen nothing like that since Babe Ruth. And of course, in our times, we weren't able to see Babe Ruth play, but we're seeing that Shohei Otani. And I mean... Modern real, day. Yeah, real quick, you know, going through his resume, rookie of the year. He's made to the all-star parent uh all-stars two times already in LA and Colorado. He was the starting pitcher in Colorado as well. He's already won an MVP. He was runner-up MVP last year. He was fourth in the Cy Young voting last year as well. So I mean, this guy is exactly what you want an MLB player. The only thing that's holding him back is the Angels. For sure. I don't know, Jim Crane needs to start expanding that checkbook for sure because he'll be a great lift for the Astros, a great addition. And I watch out, honestly, watch out for the Dodgers. They've been quiet this mm-hmm. offseason, so yes. I'm sure they're trying to save up for something, but hopefully we can beat them to the punch on that one. Yeah, I, I, I personally, I think that's not going to happen. Of course, we got to focus on Framber and all these young guys that we have. But you never yeah. know. Maybe Jim Crane wants to pull out that, you know, checkbook, you know, get 500 something going out. But Dodgers, like you said, they've been they're going to be sneaky. Watch because they didn't do nothing really this offseason. They only grabbed uh, J.D. Martinez. They made a trade for Miguel Rojas, which, you know, two guys that really are not known right veteran now. Veteran moves. Yeah. yeah, veteran moves, especially J.D. Martinez. move. I thought that was a good, you know, signing on their part. But. The Padres even said they're all in. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure all 30 teams. Yeah. Steve Cohen, not uh, again, Correa could get, you know, a better opportunity against Shohei Otani, but all Major League Baseball teams, all 30, oh, they're going to sure. go after this guy. It's going to be a bidding war yes, for sure. It's, it's I mean, it's going to be a great bidding war. He could even go over 550, I think. That's how much that, you know, this guy brings to the table. You never see a starting pitcher and a guy that could, could hit consistently. Yeah be able to do these things but sure. that i mean that's one thing keep on uh, your eyes out into the next offseason and then some of the veterans on the move that we've seen so far rodas chapman signs a one-year 3.75 
million contract plus performances bonuses to the Kansas City Royals. He had more money, uh, more money offered from the Padres, but wanted to be a primary closer, and you know that was very unique to me because he he's already a veteran. He's blown a lot of saves this past seasons after Altuve took him deep in 2019. He hasn't been the same guy from you know his days with the Reds and the early time with the Yankees. But being able to do that, I mean, I guess he still wants to be able to close these games. And for the Royals' perspective, it's a good signing. And, of course, if the Royals aren't on the hunt in the postseason, he could be a great trade piece. No, I agree. Yeah, um, like you said, he is a veteran. But I feel like it's more of a prove-it deal. You know, yeah, he wants to be the primary closer. And it's a one-year, you know, $3.75 million contract. So I feel, and, and I heard it's also with a lot of incentives adding mm-hmm. on as well. Yeah. So, like, like I said, I think it's a prove-it deal. He's going to go out there. Uh, try to do the best he can to get more money like later on to come and it's honestly for the royals it's like a low risk deal because it's, it's just a one year yeah you're not wasting too much money like and if he has a great season that's better for you mm-hmm. if he doesn't you know you, you didn't really spend too much on that and plus you ha- you have all these young guys hopefully that veteran presence there helps him out as well too well, he didn't do that for the Yankees last year when he walked off on them. <laughs> but um you know continuing on outfielder Tommy Fan signs a one year six million with the Mets and another outfielder on the move, Adam Duvall. So it's a one-year, $7 million with the Red Sox, can earn up to $3 million more in performance bonuses, which I thought Duvall should have went to the Mets to begin with. I thought that made sense because he adds power. He's a go-glove outfielder as well. Um, I think he would have brought a little bit more pop to that lineup, but they went ahead and got Tommy Pham. Just a you know, $1 million less. Well, if he earns $3 million on performance bonuses, I'm sure that – that monster is going to help him out with that short uh, yeah. 315 or 310. Wow. So, you know, maybe it was just better signing for him. But I agree. Um, both guys are going to help their teams out. I like that Tommy Pham deal. He had a bad season as well. But he's shown when he was in St. Louis that he can be that, you know, 2020 guy, 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases, you know. So I'm sure, again, he's trying to prove uh, people wrong and get, you know, ball out so he can get a higher paying contract later to come. Yeah, definitely. I think that could happen. And then, of course, some rumors of our own former first baseman, Yuli Gurriel. Um, he's looking promising over there with the Marlins. It's, I mean, both sides are kind of almost in agreement to a contract. There's been rumors around that it's most likely going to be the Marlins. They have, um, I think, Garrett Cooper at first base That's right now. Cool. And I think Yuli could fit over him. And I'm going to be honest with you, I think that could happen, even though his age is young. But he's probably going to get a year deal. Um, interesting, too, that the Astros made a contract to him. But... As a backup role, Yuli didn't want none of that. He wanted to play, you know, I think he still thinks he still has some left in the tank to be a full-time first baseman, which no doubt, I think he still can because he is a go-glover. Yeah. I would have loved for him to stay as that backup role to Jose Abreu, but, you know, it's a business you got to understand and, you know, hope for the best. No, yeah, I'm going to get a little hit on this, but I think it was a correct move on both parties. You know, Yuli, you know, is going to show people he's still great at that age, but the Astros have that room to give like the younger guys more at bats. I think a Hensi like yeah. isn't getting more at bats now. You know, just set them up for success as well. Yeah, even Mauricio Dubon, you know, president of the fan club here. <laughs> but um, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. You know, if Yuli does decide to go with the Marlins, hey, respect to the cap, what he's done for the city of Houston. You know, of course, you always think back to that game five home run against Clay Kershaw. Epic. Yeah, I mean, even this past postseason, he only struck out, I believe, once out of the whole postseason from, you know, the DS to CS 
to the World Series. Honestly, uh, Yuli was one of the guys where when nobody else was hitting, he was always, he would always step up and like take that role. You know, it was like he was a person we could always count on to get that clutch hit, move that runner over. You know, just play the game the right way. Yeah, it was a funny thing too. Um, Yuli Gurriel hit two home runs in the postseason, and he only hit like a. And he had hit a very low number at like six under very unnewly like yeah and season. he had two home runs in the postseason. and them home runs really came out clutch one of them you know was making a comeback and the other one was part of you know the astros continue putting up runs but yeah if, you know if it's his time out of houston you know salute congrats you leave you did everything that you can here and of course you're going to be in houston astros legend in our books be a future he, he's yeah he's an Astros hall of famer yeah i think know. he'll be a Astros hall of famer he, he sure. should be uh, moving on, Marlins and Twins making a trade. Um, that this one's probably one of the biggest trades I've seen. Marlins traded Pablo Lopez and number four infielder prospect Jose Salas. That was the brother of Ethan Salas that just signed in the international pole, uh, not pole, but pool from the San Diego Padres, and then outfielder Byron uh, Churio. Twins traded for only an infielder and the batting title champ Luis Arise himself. I thought that was a very unusual trade because you're you know, the Marlins are sending out a lot of talent to the Twins. I think Twins got better out of this move because you're adding Pablo Lopez, who was their number two guy from that rotation in Miami. And, you know, they already got uh, Chris Paddock. They already got Joe Ryan. They got Sonny Gray. So they're they're building their starting pitching rotation really well for uh, the Twins to make a run for that central. And you know what? I think it was a 50-50 trade on both ends because the Marlins do have a lot of pitching depth. And, yes, losing Pablo Lopez is a big – Losses, but then again, they have Sixto Sanchez, uh, Sandy Alcantara, and I think a few other guys there. Trevor Rogers, yeah. Trevor Rogers, yeah. And you know they did need offense because I think that's what like it was hard for them to win without that great pitching because they didn't have no run support. Mm-hmm. So adding like a contact guy such as Luis Ross sets up a lot of situations. Like he's gonna be their top, like either their leadoff or their second batter up there with Jazz. Uh, and that's a good looking lineup coming like coming out yeah and speaking of Chaz Chisholm too he's they said um the GM from the Marlins that said that he will be moving from second base to center field so that Luisa Rice could be playing second um for the team but you know what's funny I'm thinking about it now they got pitching all of a sudden they didn't have pitching over there back then when you know Giancarlo uh Osuna Romuto all them you know studs were there they really didn't have the pitching talent now that they have the pitching talent they don't really have the offense yeah and it's you know it's crazy yeah. but it's very unique. Yeah, besides uh, Jose Fernandez, you know, oh yeah, that was pretty much it. And obviously, that was a big hurt on the whole baseball world. So. Yes, definitely, that was very tragic. Um, but now you know, moving on to our last part of the show, National Baseball Hall of Fame. Like we said in the beginning, inductions are starting on Tuesday at 5 p.m. Central on MLB Network. You do not want to miss it. Um, according to Ryan Thibodeau, he's been a guy you know following the ballots and everything like that for the Hall of Fame. And as of now, of today, where we're recording on Sunday, 7.48 p.m., Scott Rowland right now is leading. He's um, probably going to go in as a St. Louis Cardinal. Six year on the ballot, 79.5%. Second on the list is Todd Helton from the Colorado Rockies. It's his fifth year on the ballot, 79%. Billy Wagner, our very own uh, Billy the Kid, eighth year on the ballot. I think he'll go as Astro as well, 73.3%. Andrew Jones, Atlanta, six year on the ballot, 68.2%. And Gary Sheffield, which I really wouldn't think his percentages would be that big. It's his ninth year on the ballot. I think he'll go as a Marlin, and he's at 63.6%. Of course, the threshold to get into the Hall of Fame is 
percent. And right now, as it looks, it looks like Scott Rowland and Todd Helton is heading their way to Cooperstown, New York. And you know, maybe a big push could come at the end to you know get Billy Wagner in. He's just a little short, but I mean, if it doesn't come to the end of him being the Hall of Fame next year, it has to look promising with seventy three point three percent. Uh, that he has right now for sure and I think Scott Rowland and Todd Helton you know well-deserved guys to be um so close to the Hall of Fame hopefully they can get in a surprising one for me is Andrew Jones who's at 68 I feel like he put up so much great numbers was great for the the Atlanta Braves like that uh Andrew Jones and Chipper Jones combo was always great and haunting to that to National League Astros fans but I think he should definitely get in and I agree with you with Billy Wagner hopefully he, like he can slide in there with exactly seventy five, but I, I I see him as another Craig Biggio where Barely doesn't make it next year for sure. Yeah, that, we're talking we're talking about that off fair. That twenty thirteen Biggio had like a sixty four point eight percent or something like that, and then twenty fourteen he barely missed you know the seventy five mark. He was at seventy four point eight eight with uh, two votes, you know, getting close to it. But I agree. I think Billy Wagner, uh, to me, he deserves it. I think he'll be the first left-handed pitcher as a closer in the Hall of Fame. Second lowest ERA um, from Mariano Rivera. Um, has the highest strikeout per nine innings for, with 11.9%, I believe. I, I've done an article over him, you know, his reasons that he should be in the Hall of Fame. Right now, the writers aren't putting him in is because of that postseason. He had a 10.80 ERA in the postseason, but he only pitched over 11 innings. It's, you know, I, to me, at least, it's that's not a lot worthy to put, you know. I agree. To put yourself out there. But like Mariano Rivera, on the other hand, you know, with that Yankees run that they had, he was able to be, you know, one of the best closers. And, of course, he is the best closer. He is the best closer in the game of baseball. For sure. There is no other person. But from the other Hall of Fame closers out there, Lee Smith, Bruce Sutter, um, Raleigh Fingers, De- uh, Dennis Eckersley, these guys were t- uh, two-inning guys. These guys pitched in the eighth inning and the ninth inning for their saves. When it came to Mariano Rivera, Trevor Hoffman, and Billy Wagner coming into the majors in the 90s and – you know, to the present, they've been that one and done guy. It's yeah. been that ninth inning closer. And obviously, Trevor Hoffman's in, uh, Mariano Vera's in. Billy Wagner has to be the guy yeah. next to be in the Hall of Fame. It's going to be his ninth year next year. Like I said, 73.3. I don't think he'll make it this coming year, but he there's has hope. a great chance. Yeah, he has a great hope. chance. But um, that is all. On Twitter right now, we had showed a leak of a, you know, Astros Gold Edition hat of, you know, the World Series champs. Them things look sexy. I think they look For good. Sure. You know, gold um, headband around. When you when you look inside the hat, it's a gold headband, uh, gold brim. I thought the gold brim really standed out. Remind me of the Gold Star 90s retro uniforms. For sure. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm very excited for that, dude. I'm, I'm ready for the, um, you know, the Gold Rush jersey, the Gold Rush hats, everything like that. I'm just everything go. For I'm sure. the Gold Pennant. Shoot, I think when you start having some sponsors, we can afford that new Gold Gear that's coming up for I'm sure. Insane, but man. that hat looks so nice. I'm excited for that jersey coming up too. Yeah, I got the Altuve from 17. I I gotta add. I don't know which player yet to add. I might add a Jordan, or I might just stick it back to the Goat when his second World Series ring. But that is our show for today. Continue to subscribe to all your channels on our podcast from Apple to Spotify, Google Podcasts as well. And make sure you follow us on Full Seam Ahead on Twitter. Maybe this coming week, I think we're going to put out a giveaway um, for you guys. You know, I know y'all been standing in in the offseason. You've been dealing with a lot of things, of course. 
baseball season's not here, but hey, Pro Baseball Classics coming back in March. That should be very exciting. Excited. Yeah. Um, maybe next podcast we'll talk about another World Baseball Classic team. We went over a preview with the Dominican Republic. You know, so maybe we'll talk about somebody else. We'll, we'll put out another poll out there and see which team should we break down again. But that is all for tonight. Have a magnificent Monday on your end. Stay safe wherever you are and go Strokes. Peace.